0: Oh, <music> today's um, study, devotional study, is helping out a stranger, and I got a, a strange looking guy up there, so take that in, and then we'll change the next slide, and we'll do a quick review of what we have, s- did last week, actually, can you have the next slide, please, there it is, in review, can uh, okay, we talked last week a little about um, kind of the folly of legalism, and, 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 and some of the, the hypocrisy that... That could be associated if, if not careful, um, and what we learned, I believe that we learned, that was really quite helpful. Was this idea of scruples that Paul spoke of, both to the church in Corinth and to the church in Rome, and uh, and just kind of review those three principles uh, because it's nice to you know do remembering of what we were last week. Uh, we, we learned three excellent principles. The first one is that. In our decision of whether something's right or wrong, is, does this, is this puffing us up? Is it, does it make our pride um, you know, puffed up? Is, you know, is it for our own satisfaction? Or is this knowledge loving? Does it build up? And that's what Paul said in both Rome, Romans and in First Corinthians, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So what's our intention? Is it to puff ourselves up or to build up the church? To build up each other number two principle there is really only one God really truly there is one God um, let's not give what belongs to him to others that don't even exist so again if we serve God you know that's another really important principle that we can with assurance and bravery serve him and love him and and that helps us make decisions in our life whether this is right or wrong And the number three important principle of scruples is don't hurt others. Paul said, well, I might have the liberty or the freedom to do such and such, but if it hurts another person, I'm not going to do it. And that's a very important thing. I have the freedom to do such and such, whatever this scruple is. I don't have any beef with it, but I know that I've got a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ who does. So I need to be careful. And I don't want to hurt them, I don't want to offend them, I don't want them to stumble. Paul uses that word, stumble. And so three very important. And these three things, I believe, can be tied up with just the idea, the principle that Paul was trying to encompass. And that's just love. Love. God's character is love. And we know the fruit of the Spirit. We know the fruit of 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 anything that God is a part of in that it has to have love first. I mean... In Galatians, Paul talked about the Free spirit being And he starts off with love Some commentators will say that basically love is it But everything else that describes love You know, love is patience and kind and, whatnot and so on and so forth you know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love and the character of love And this is a strong And this is one of the most common characteristics It's not the only, it's not the most primary But it's one of the most common characteristics That's attributed to the character of God You know, John, you know, in his epistle you know, in 1 John, you know, he spends the whole thing talking about God's love. And God is love. And if you know God, you need to know love. And if you don't know God, you don't know love. If you don't know love, you don't know God. <laughs> you know, and not quite like that, but very similar to that. And, you know, he goes on with these kind of ideas. So the bottom line is this. What's the opposite of love? It's the flesh. Flesh, you know, living for yourself, evil thoughts, things that are associated. You know, Galatians also talks about the, the manifestation of the fruit of the flesh, and it lists a, a list very similar to the list that we have here in Matthew 15, 17 through 19. And I'll read it. And this is what Jesus says. Don't see, or don't you see that whatever enters your mouth goes into your stomach and then out of the body. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these are the things that defile them. See, it's what comes out of your heart. What's in your heart? What do you think upon? And this talks about the system of the mind, the system of the soul. What you put in is what you get, and what you get, and what you have developed, and what you have nurtured, and what you have you know, sowed and reaped, and, and what you have nurtured in your own life. That's going to come out of your mouth. And if it looks like this, I bolded it, evil thoughts, then that's what's going on in you, evil thoughts. If you have any If you want a description of what these evil thoughts might be, he gave you a brief description of what it might be. Murderous thoughts. If you think about murder, you love murder. You love watching it on television. You love watching it on the movies. You love murder. You love the idea of tearing another person apart. If you love hatred, you love to hate people, and you just long for the idea of hating and bringing others down and, and counting them as less or even as gone. You know, in your own mind, murder, adultery. If you're not satisfied you with your husband or your wife, and you're constantly looking for others or looking to take from someone else. Sexual morality. Again, you know, having sexual relationships with someone you're not married to and thinking about it, obsessing about it, longing for it, watching it on the telly or on the internet, looking at pictures, longing for it, obsessing about it, evil thoughts, theft. You know, theft comes in all. It's not petty theft. It's not grand theft. It's all kinds of theft. Taking what's not yours. (sighs) False testimony. Lying. Slander. Gossiping, you know. These are the things that defile us. Not what we eat. That's where we left off. Let's continue on the next slide. I don't have time to develop these anymore. How much time and effort do people really deserve? And I put... A bunch of pictures up there in words. I could have put a, anything. I could have put a whole bunch of different ones. But the first ones that came to my mind were a hippie, a gypsy, a Ned, people of other religious beliefs and practices, and different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. Different people that maybe they walked in and might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe they want to talk to you about things and you're like, you're kind of weird, you know, uncomfortable. I kind of like the hippie guy because he reminds me of a drummer I used to have in a band. What was his name? Kevin. <laughs> is that kind of like Kevin a little bit? No. Okay. <laughs> but thing is, I mean, some certain people may put you off and put me off because they are so different, you know, and they're kind of weird, and they maybe believe and do strange things that we don't like and appreciate. So, how much time and effort would we, should we, could we waste? on these people, you know. Next slide, please. And with that thought in the back of our mind, I'm going to ask a couple questions because we're going to see some, some scriptures here, some verses here. And, and, and when I looked at it, I wondered two questions. I wondered, has Jesus ran out of power? Or maybe she doesn't deserve it. And these questions will make sense with that last slide as we read through and looking at who this she is, who this person is. Has Jesus ran out of power? Or maybe she doesn't deserve it. Hmm. Interesting questions. Well, let's read the scriptures. Matthew 15, starting verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Or Sidon. A Canaanite woman. Okay, so first of all... Mark, actually, I put this little note here, Mark in Mark 7 suggests that maybe Jesus is possibly still looking for a quiet place. Remember, we talked about that like last chapter and, and, you know, with, um, you know, John the Baptist, you know, dying and him finding the news about it, wanting to withdraw to a quiet place. Matthew doesn't say it, but Mark in a very similar, if not the same story, which many commentators believe is the same story found in Matthew, Mark 7, is that he's actually still kind of looking for a quiet place to be. (laughs) <laughs> Poor Jesus, you know Still isn't finding a quiet place Because people are still hunting him out Finding him, looking for him to minister to them So, But he's in the region now of Tyre and, and, and Sidon and, and, and this is significant because the area We're going to look at a map in just a few moments The area and, and the significance of that With this Canaanite woman um, Again, Canaanite um, The name of the ancient um, inhabitants of the Palestine before its conquest by the Israelites, okay? In other words, these are kind of the historic enemy of Israel. Israel came into the promised land, right, to conquer, take the promised land. And unfortunately, the Canaanite people were the enemy, you know? So the Israelites fought the Canaanites. And this is the land that the Canaanites used to dwell in, this, specifically this town, this area, this region, Tyre and Sidon. They like, you know, the Israelites were descendants of Shem. They populated Tyre and Sidon. So that area, that region. Christ's time, a Phoenician. That's another name of the area, you know, Phoenicia. Mark 7 calls her specifically a Greek. Born in Syrian Phoenicia, okay? She's a Gentile. She's not Jewish, not a quote-unquote proper Israelite, I guess you might say. She's a stranger, okay? Other kind of person. You know, she's different, you know? She's she's not, I mean, Jesus is, you know, he's the, the son of David, as she says, you know? Son of David. Let's go on and read it. So this Canaanite woman, this stranger, this, this Gentile, this different kind of person, you know, she's a woman from the vicinity that came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. So here she comes. She's crying out to him, and she calls him first of all. Interesting enough, Lord, Lord, which is very interesting because it's, it, it, it's it's a um, it's, it's association with divinity first of all. So she recognizes messiahship. She recognizes his lineage, that he's a son of David, and you know the Messiah would come from that lineage, son of David, also recognizing that, you know, she's of different lineage, you know, she recognizes she's a Canaanite woman, she's, you know, but she cries out, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, you know, my daughter, she's deemed possessed and suffering terribly, this reminds me of, the, of the, the Roman, or the Greek soldier, I think it was Roman centurion, that's it, who, again, was a Gentile, was Roman, but he came humbly to Jesus, saying, please heal, so here she is, another one, Canaanite woman, coming to Jesus humbly. Please, have mercy. I know that I'm not like you and your disciples, but please have mercy upon me. Jesus did not answer a word. And I do think, by the way, Jesus is being rude here. I think he's kind of testing her. He's t- tested the disciples. He's, he's, you know, he's tested others. He's tested the Pharisees. He's tested, tested the scribes. He's tested the, you know, the religious leaders of the time. So I think he wants to test her as well. You know, yeah, you know. I'm in your area, or you're in my area, so, you know, hey, what's going on here, you know? So he doesn't answer a word, and his disciples come to him and, and urge him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. You know, she's irritating us. She's bothering us. I mean, look at her. She looks different, you know, she, you know, she's a Canaanite, you know? She's one of them. Come on, Jesus, send her away. Send her out of our church. Send her out of our fellowship. You know, she's she's weird. She talks differently. She talks about weird things. You know, I mean, She's not one of us. Send her away, Jesus. And Jesus says, and again, I don't think he's being rude. And I don't think he's saying no. And I really don't think he ran out of power, by the way. <laughs> I think he's just testing her. And he says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. You know, hey, sorry, you're Canaanite. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. Those of Israel who have gone astray. Sheep. They, you know, sheep. You know, they need to be looked after. Lost sheep of Israel—they're lost. They've gone astray. He needs to collect them. He wants to bring them back. That's the idea. And so here he is in Israel, ministering to, is- to Israelites at this particular time. And here, she, you know, but we know he's not closed to this ministering to Israelites, obviously at this time, because he does heal everyone and anyone who comes in his path, including this Canaanite woman. But he's kind of testing her. Don't you know that I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel? You're not one of them, are you? Next one, here's a little map, just to kind of, for those who like maps, I kind of like maps. So I put this little snippet of a map up, just to get an idea of kind of where the area, you know, that he's at right now. And there's on the northern coast side Tyre and Sidon, Phoenicia, that's the area, that's the region, so it is kind of her land. So he's kind of infringing on her territory. Maybe that's the test. You know, am I the stranger? Are you the stranger? Who's really the stranger here? But you see her humility. Lord, son of David. She recognizes authority. She recognizes him. And of course, we know Jesus mostly ministers in Galilee, which is down in the middle of the map around the Sea of Galilee and all the different areas like Capernaum where he lived and we see his home where he was born. Well, well raised as a child, Nazareth. Um, I pointed out the Jordan River. And of course, Judea, which would include Israel, um, or Jerusalem, is way down south. It's, it doesn't fit in the map. It's... Woo. Samaria is considered North. So that's how far north we are. If we see Samaria there, you know, so he's way up high, top edge of Israel, the nation of Israel at the time. So next picture, please, our slide. So really, what, what, what I think has impressed me on the story so far, and what we're going to continue to see in the story, is this woman's great amount of humility and faith. She has humbled herself. She saw her need, and rather than saying, you know what, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to forget about it. I'm just going to deal with the fact that my child is demon possessed or wound up with a spirit or sick or mentally ill, whatever this child has. I'm just, you know what, it's my thing. I don't care. This Jesus, this Messiah of the tribe of, you know, looking for the Israel lost sheep people, I, I'm, I'm not interested in the Messiah, I've got my culture. I've got my people. No, she wasn't like that. She humbled herself and she recognized that there's something about Jesus that is universal, not just for Israel, but for all people. And she recognized that. She comes to him not with pride, but with humility. And also, very important key word: faith. So it goes, I go on, It goes on to read Matthew 15:25. The woman came and knelt before him. "Lord, help me," she said. He replied. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, that's kind of offensive to be called a dog, especially in his time. I mean, but then again, that's the kind of the relationship that, you know, especially the, the Jewish mind would have with the Gentiles, a non-Jew. They would look down upon other cultures' people, you know, like being dogs. Look down upon them. Oh, mm. They would allow them into their home. Certainly, they wouldn't eat with them. They are very, mm, and so, he, so he's, again, I think he's testing her. Don't you know that you're a dog? And what's her response? Uh, if it was me, I might be tempted to get really upset and say, whoa, 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 who do you think you are calling me a dog? But she humbles herself even lower. Yes, it is Lord. Again, use the word Lord, which is humility. It's, 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 it's a fact that she's lower than he is. It demonstrates the fact that she's lower than he is. And also demonstrates the fact that, that she's attributing him to deity. Even the dogs, she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What I like about this verse is she's actually saying, I'm your dog. (laughs) Call me a dog if you will, but I'm your dog. Even the dogs eat the crumbs from their, the word, their master's table. So, your Lord, your master, please give me something. So, the humility I'm seeing here is absolutely intense. I mean, I don't know many people, in my life, that are this humble. I mean, this is scary humility. This stranger, this different cultural person coming about to Jesus, the Messiah, you know, the, the one who's from the tribe of David, you know, that lineage, you know, you know, the Messiah, the Jews and the whatever, you know, here she is totally on her face before him. So what did Jesus say? Woman, you have great faith. You have great faith. It's a shame because many whom are following him around. You know, even his disciples, he calls them little faithers, you know. So many people following him around who should know, who should be prepared. See, the Pharisees, they've been, they know the scriptures, right? I don't know, maybe they don't. They claim to know the scriptures. The Pharisees have studied their whole lives to look through the Old Testament to prepare for the Messiah. They don't know the Messiah. They have little faith, if not no faith. But here's this woman who probably doesn't know much about anything. But knows that Jesus is something great. And he's universally great. He's not just for a certain group of people. He's universally great. He's here to save the world from its sins. And I think there's something in her that identifies that. And she calls upon him. And this must have been a really hard thing for her to do. To go out of her home. To go out of her situation. To go out of her way to find Jesus. To beg him. And to beg him. And to beg him for help. It takes a lot of faith to do this. And he recognizes this and says, Your great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Did Jesus run out of power? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Did the woman not deserve the healing? Mm, probably not. We don't deserve anything that God gives us, really. It's by grace that we get <laughs> what we get from God, right? But what she did have was faith, total trust in God. Total trust in Christ. That's the key. That faith, that total trust in God, broke her pride and gave her the ability to be humble before the Lord. No matter who you are and where you have come from, faith in the Messiah will bring healing. Next slide, please. So faith. This morning's message. I got another five ten minutes. Is about faith. Really, it is about faith. Total trust in God. Total trust in Christ. Faith, 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 faith. So you're gonna see a lot of faith in the next few slides. Faith, 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 faith. And so the next section of scripture I want to deal with Matthew 15:29. Is this a rerun? Now, is the Bible? Is the Bible like the BBC and ITV? This and that. Are they allowed to, re- to play reruns? Or am I I losing my mind here? Have I not read this story? Well, let's read it and see if we read the story or not. Matthew 15, 29 says this. Jesus left there. So we know that he met this lady after a series of events, which would include the feeding of the 5,000 men, not including the women and children. Okay, so we've already had that story. After that story, he meets this lady so, certainly not rewinding, are we, and going back in time? No, because he says Jesus left there and went along the sea. So he's leaving this lady's presence, returning. Oh, the map's not there anymore. Returning back down to the Sea of Galilee. So he went there. He was, here's what interesting. It just came to my mind. What if he went up to Phoenicia or whatever, you know, Tyre and Sidon, just to meet her? Whoa, imagine that. Maybe he went there just to meet her. Now he's going to go back to. Oh, whew. That blows me away. I would never imagine God would just come to Shash just to meet me. <laughs> but you know what? He loves us, and he would. He would go out of his way just to meet you in your need, and just to meet me in my need. Okay, put that in your pocket. That's a good, interesting thought. So he leaves. He goes down the Sea of Galilee. Then he went on a mountainside. He loves mountainsides because it's a good way to talk to people. And sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind. So he came here to minister, and he's ministering. They bring him the lame, he bring him the, they bring him the blind, they bring in the crippled, the mutes, and many others. So all these people, and here he is, man. I mean, Jesus, does he ever get a break? Wow, isn't he amazing? Ministers, 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 gives and gives, and he, and they're being laid at his feet, and he's healing them. He's touching them, he's healing them, he's. Teaching them about the kingdom of God. Beautiful picture we have here. What a beautiful picture we have here. To have been there would be just amazing. The people were amazed. And they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. Gosh, God is just so amazing. Jesus. They're praising him. So we see Jesus doing these amazing things and they're praising God. What an awesome worship service this must have been. What an awesome worship service. Praise the God of Israel. Praise the God of Israel. Now, here's where it gets funny, though. <laughs> here's where it gets really funny. And no, I don't think this is a rerun, but it looks like it's a rerun. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. Wait, am I get, are, you guys getting, are you guys getting deja vu? Or am I getting deja vu here? What's going on here? I, I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way this sounds really familiar. Did we just deal with this idea, this order of provision, where Jesus is the bread of life, and then the disciples have responsibility to be close to Christ, to give Christ, to give, to minister for the sake of Christ, the people? And when the people are ministered, when they're touched by the power of God, there's satisfaction. Have we not really dealt with this provision? Have we not already learned this as disciples? Okay, disciples, you have already learned this lesson. Oh, they must be warming their hands. Okay, we know this. We've been here before. Remember that we just did this weeks ago. Okay, remember with the five thousand, all the baskets that were left over, and it was amazing multiplication going on here. Okay, disciples, it's our chance. Oh, we're going to be able to do this ourselves now. Here's your opportunity, disciples, to shine. Next slide, please. Verse thirty-three. His disciples answered. Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? What? Didn't we, did we just deal with this? did we not just deal with this? Okay, let's just meditate. Um, that's why I just put that verse, because I'm so mind-bongled that I cannot believe that we're actually back here again. Now, I struggle with this. I mean, the other day I was struggling with this principle. And even with the kids, the youth, on Wednesday night I asked them, you know what, God, I taught this. I said, God has given you all a basket. Go out and multiply it. And of course, it was kind of confusing because what does that even mean? Well, you got to figure out for yourself. Go to God and ask him what your basket is and how he can multiply it. Oh, but, 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 but but you got to go figure out what it is and how he does it. Now, I haven't asked them about their experiences yet, but I'm sure it'll be interesting when I do. <laughs> but regardless, the disciples have already encountered the situation. They've already seen it firsthand not too long ago. Why are they asking this question? Next slide, please. Now, just a, a spoiler alert here, okay? First of all, there's less people this time. Last time, there was 5,000 men, not counting women, children. This time, there's 4,000 men, not counting women, children. And also, they also last time, um, I didn't put this slide up here, but we'll find this in a second. Also, last time, they had, I think, five loaves. Now they have seven loaves. So they have slightly more to start with and slightly less to feed. Next slide, please. Ah! frustrating come on disciples get with it next slide please i gotta catch up to you sorry gary matthew 15 verse 34 says this how many loaves do you have jesus asked how many loaves? do we have to do this again do we really have to do this again how many loaves do you have Seven, they replied. So it's two more than last time. And a few small fish. Again, last time they only had five. So there's five things. Okay, let's let's notice this pattern because maybe God wants us, maybe Jesus wants us to get this pattern into our head. That's why it happens twice. Now, I can see Jesus doing the most, hugest eye roll at this point. Oh, what's wrong with you guys? Watch and learn. Watch and learn. So I put five things. These aren't verse markers, by the way. I, put, I interjected these in because There's five very important principles. One, he, very similar. Exactly what he did last time. Number one, he told the crowd to sit down. He did that last time as well. Number two, then he took the seven loaves and fish, and when they had given thanks, or he had given things, he broke them. Okay, two, that's exactly what happened last time. Three, <coughs> gave them to the disciples. Four, and they turn to the people, and they in turn to the people. And then five, they all ate and were satisfied. This is verbatim. Five points we saw last time. Let's find out what Jesus is trying to tell us right now. Let's find out so we won't be like the silly disciples. Okay, I won't call them silly. That's kind of rude. What does Jesus call them? The, the, The we faithers. So let's not be like the we faithers. Let's learn this and learn this lesson well. Afterward. The disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were, again, 4,000. So not quite as dynamic as last time, but still amazing, besides women and children. And then afterwards, he sent the crowd away and got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. So, again, I put here the order of provision again. And last time I put this up, when we talk about the 5,000, not counting women and children, that we I talked about how the testimony a cornerstone and how God has always provided. He has always been there. We just serve. We just serve and we trust that God will take care of things. And we do it. And we don't miss a beat. We just keep going. We keep going. We keep going. And we might get scared sometimes, but this is about faith, right? Total trust in God, right? Isn't that what we're learning this morning? Total trust in God. So we just keep going and we just keep doing it. And we trust that God will. Keep on providing. And he has, and he does. So Jesus, he's the one who provides. He's the bread of life. The disciples, that's you and I. That's us. Us students, us ones who need to be in tune with what God's doing in his kingdom. Call us spiritually filled, call us born again, because these are all true if you're disciples. But that's us. And then the people are the people who need to be ministered to, who need to know about Jesus, who need to touch of God their lives. And when it's all works so well, there's satisfaction. Again, John six thirty five. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Disciples, do you not believe that? Do you believe that this is true? Well, it is true. Let's conclude this morning's Bible study with these five principles then. Next slide. Okay, the five things I, I noticed in that pattern, okay? And I mixed a little bit of faith in there as well, because you need to have faith. Because this, this morning's Bible study really is about faith. The faith, the total humility, and the total trust in God that the Gentile woman had. And now the disciples, they have opportunity to share that kind of faith. And they possibly failed. But here's what we learn. This is what Jesus did in repetition, both for the 5,000 and with the 4,000 feedings. Number one, listen and obey Christ. Listen and obey Christ. He told the people, sit down. And the people sat down. We need to listen and obey Christ. Number two, Faith. This requires faith, so we got to have faith to do this thing. Next one, number three. Give thanks in all circumstances. When Jesus, he took the little bits he had, he praised the Lord with it. This is a little, thank you. He thanked God, he broke it, he gave it out. He just, and that, too, requires faith. So let's have faith. Okay? Number five. Always be prepared to serve. Receive from Christ. Okay, We're not serving by our own resources. We're, res- we're serving by the resources in which God has trusted us and has given to us. So we need to receive from Christ. The disciples, they received. As they go to serve, they received. Christ gave them. The disciples took from Christ. This, too, requires, number six, faith. We need to have total trust in God. Total trust in Jesus that when we go to serve God, he will give us what we need to complete the task. Number seven, always be prepared to serve. Give to others. Again, as Jesus gave to disciples, disciples distributed to the people. This too requires much faith. Let us, number eight, have faith it takes faith to give because when we give we don't have no longer <laughs> it's like i like that i have this much bread and this much fish but if i give i won't have this much bread and this much fish put it in, in, in today's terms i won't have this much money in my account i won't have this much savings i won't have this much comfortable stuff in my house okay <laughs> it takes a lot of faith to let go total trust in god Number nine, be satisfied. After God told him to sit down, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it, he received it, the disciples received it, and the disciples gave it out. At the end, everyone was satisfied. Being satisfied also takes a whole lot of faith. What? What does that mean? Absolutely. Because we're always searching for something else. We're always searching for something new. We're always searching for something we don't have contentment with godliness is great gains, what Paul said. We need to be satisfied, and to be satisfied takes a whole lot of faith. So this message is about faith, isn't it? The faith of the woman who's a Gentile woman who whew, humbled herself massively, trusting that God would, would serve, would give her through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is ministering. He's caring for people. He's doing things. If he's moving, if he's going to do something, he's going to provide. He's going to care for you. He's going to care for I. And he's going to care for those who are reaching out to. We need to trust in him. Takes total faith. Total trust in God. So let's be bold. Let's be brave as we live our lives as disciples. Now, I use the word disciples a lot because that's what we're seeing. We're seeing Messiah, the Jesus Christ, you know, the Messiah, the Son of God, and his interaction with the people, but he has his disciples. And I identify with the disciples because I make mistakes like the disciples. I have trust in God like the disciples. And I want to be close to Jesus like the disciples. And I include all of us. And I think the invitation will go out to all of us to really consider yourself as a disciple, a student of Christ, So when we read the Bible and we see disciples learning these lessons, let us learn with them as well.